This is episode 108 of the IDRA Class Notes Podcast. But here we are in 2012, and we use math every day. Every single person is a mathematician if they have to problem solve in any way, shape, or form. And it's not always just about numbers or data as we would normally think about it. You know, if you get a bill, if you have to purchase airline tickets, and that's what my final answer to my students used to be, you need math in order to be able to think critically, period. So let me say good afternoon to everybody and thank you all for being with us again. We have a great, great topic this afternoon that we're going to be looking at and just spending some time uh, in a conversation with uh, Ms. Paula Johnson, who is one of the staff members here at IDRA. She does a great deal of work in terms of math. Her background is mathematics. Uh, she's been a teacher uh, in this uh, area and field and now is one of our wonderful trainers doing a lot of work in the math smart part of the services that we provide uh, to clients throughout our region. Today's topic is going to be how does it all add up and I've invited Paula to talk to us about mathematics in public education and want very quickly to look at some of the challenges that we're facing, some of the things that we need to do to make more of our students math competent and, and really ready for this 21st century world that they will be stepping into. So, Paul, I want to thank you and say hello and thank you for being here this afternoon. Thank you, Bradley. And it's a pleasure to have you with us. Um, so, Paul, let's just jump right into it. Let me ask you a question that I started asking when I was in first grade. Why do I have to take math? Why is it important? You know, we talk about all the time about how teachers are asked this question on a daily basis by students. And I came to the conclusion that my students were asking the question primarily when they didn't understand what was going on in the classroom, the topic at hand. And the question used to be answered with, oh, well, there are all these occupations and, and job fields that use math every day as if we did not use math in our own lives. But here we are in 2012 and we use math every day. Every single person is a mathematician if they have to problem solve in any way, shape or form. And it's not always just about numbers or data as we would normally think about it. Data comes in so many different varieties now. And in order for us to be math literate, we have to understand what that data means to us. You know, if you get a bill, if, if you really want to understand how you're being billed, are you being overcharged or not? If you have to purchase airline tickets, you know, can we problem solve to get the best rate with the most benefits? You know, am I going to have to have three hour layovers or can I get there on a direct flight? All of those are critical thinking skills that are math related. And that's what my final answer to my students used to be. You need math in order to be able to think critically, period. That's great. Let me ask you, um, math literacy, what are some of the elements of this literacy that are important? And are we actually uh, presenting them or exposing our students to these different aspects of math literacy? Well, math literacy goes back to something that we um, talk about in a lot of uh, PSYOP trainings or sheltered instruction trainings that deal with a student's level of 
mathematical literacy, it's the content and vocabulary that's used in math, or are they using social language versus the academic language? If we are talking about a particular graph, are they using the correct terms? Do they, do they recognize the correct vocabulary? Just like in across curriculum, you know, in math, we may call something an estimation. In social studies, it could be a guess. In science, it's called a prediction. But to be mathematically literate, you understand that those terms all mean the same thing and are pointing to the same event. And so, like, students have a, a very difficult time when they learn about integers because they, they've missed something or have been misled or maybe just allowed to think that subtraction was something totally different than being negative. And so when they get in elementary school and they, they start, they're being introduced to negative numbers, integers, people aren't, the teachers, I won't say people, the teachers do not always make a connection that this is just the removal of a number, the opposite of a number, that five and negative five are simply opposites. So Paula, you know, for years, and I say this as a former elementary teacher, I didn't want to teach science because I, I questioned my own science capacity. I didn't want to teach math because I questioned my own math skills. Even though I made good grades in math, it was I didn't have a level of comfort and confidence in myself. Is that still the case, do you think, for uh, many teachers around uh, mathematics? Most of the teachers that I work with at the elementary level are still a little math hesitant. And in some cases... It's not so bad because they're going to more departmental elementary schools where you have a set of teachers who teach all the math at a particular grade level. Mm -hmm. So you can invest training in a few teachers that hit your entire grade level rather than trying to train, say, a team of five teachers, two or three of which have math phobia. So you, you can really concentrate on a much a smaller number of teachers to really begin training them on how to do vertical alignment. They're not out there by themselves. Mm-hmm. And so with good training, good professional development, and someone who can allow themselves to feel a little more confident about math, they can really begin a good, a really great mathematics program. So uh, two questions real quickly, one of which is I know that you do a lot of our training here at IDRA in Math Smart, that uh, model of professional development around mathematics seems to be very popular and seems to be a model that um, teachers can get their minds around and their capacity around. Is that a good reading of what's going on in terms of the implementation of Math Smart as you see it? I would think so. Because math is becoming, well, in my experience in the last 16, 17 years, Math has slowly become the center of attention, math and science, but still primarily math because science still needs more math than vice versa. So Math Smart really helps bring together a lot of best practices and strategies that teachers can use. It's like a toolkit, if you will. Most teachers don't do certain things because they've never been exposed to them. And sometimes it's as simple as how to group students or how to run an activity or how to differentiate instruction so that your kids at every grade level, every need, every modification is being 
serviced within a lesson, mm-hmm. possibly by changing up some materials or adding a couple things here or there. But the model that we show them, I think, gives them hope because it gives them a real world example that it's possible to do. So um, I'm, I'm glad to hear that because I'm also, as a, the director of the Equity Assistance Center, very much um, concerned about the exposure of math and science, STEM and facts, you know, science, technology, engineering, and mathematics, to minority students, linguistically different learners, uh, poor kids. Are they getting the same kind of, um, of mathematics experience across the board with their non-minority, English-dominant middle-class counterparts? What are you seeing? I think that it's definitely coming, mainly because the accountability level is rising. Mm -hmm. We are now being held accountable at the federal level, the the government of each state. Each school district is breaking it down to the teacher and identifying where are strengths and weaknesses and how are we going to work this out. Students, especially females and minorities, are historically, traditionally underrepresented in the STEM sciences. But moreover, it's also, it's it's always been, math has kind of been for the haves, not the have-nots. But because of this growing technological world that we're living in, everyone needs to have these skills. What I am seeing, what or what I feel I'm seeing is school districts, whether they are more affluent or not, are recognizing that the only way that we're going to close this gap is to also change. You can't change the students. You have to change the teaching and not necessarily the teachers, but how they are teaching. And so school districts are really investing their time and energies into finding ways to make content more accessible. And then that by itself is you have to revamp your curriculum. Right. And some are quote unquote prepackaged, which can be very good. But I don't think anything stands alone. So you still have alternate methods that you have to initiate as well. But what I do see is every grade level, every background, everyone is trying to infuse the a level of rigor. Because the first thing that you know about math classes historically is that the kids are bored. Mainly because they don't understand what's going on because the, the teachers are not necessarily bringing them into it. So the biggest component that I see is that they're trying to make math more engaging for students, more hands-on. Most of our students do not learn just by watching the teacher at the board. It has to be hands-on, tactile activities that bring in their interests. So creativity is on the rise, I think, that teachers are really trying to think outside of that box and and make it more approachable and, and actually instill more confidence in the students and let them know that they can achieve mathematical literacy. It's not just for some. It has to be for everybody. That uh, kind of reminds me of uh, your article that you had in the IDRA newsletter. Um, this notion of accessibility is, to me, hugely important. Where do we need to go to ensure that all learners are getting greater access uh, to good math taught by powerfully prepared, dynamic teachers who engage them in real, creative, uh, uh, dynamic learning experiences. Where do we need to go? How do we need to uh, proceed to get there, Paula, for, for more of our students? I know our time is, is running short, but uh, give us what you can. Well, I think that it's all going to start with your standards. The standards are set, and now it's time to act on them. I think if 
if more parents were to get involved with their students' education, not just trusting that the campus is doing the very best for that child, but hold the teacher to task, the campus to task on how is my child benchmarking? Can I see a benchmark? There are forms in most districts that will allow the teachers to meet with parents to look at assessment, look at their daily assignments, look at their grades, look at their um, their test scores, their preliminary test scores, but kind of compare. Something that we do is I look at um, online for different types of school districts assignment pages. Compare it to a book. Are they on level? Are they accelerating it? Or is it, you know, when they bring home a worksheet that's simply matching or true-false, especially in math, it lets you know that the level of rigor is not being met. So it's not that you want your children to have something so hard, so, so difficult they can't achieve success, but we know now that children learn best when they're challenged just a skosh above where their ability level lies right now. And so it, when they say, oh, mom, this is hard, or dad, I just don't know if I can do this, that's actually a good thing. But if they're breezing through their homework in a few minutes... There may be a problem. And they're not being challenged enough. There's no challenge. So another thing that people can do is go online for resources. There are so many websites out there that it will actually gauge, and they're free. They'll gauge a student's success. And there's several that I need to put up on our website. And we'll make sure that those are on the website um, as well as attached to this podcast so that the people will have that information available to them. So, Paula, you open up just a number of different other areas that we can talk about in terms of this math readiness and how it adds up for the 21st century. Uh, I'm going to have to ask you to uh, please plan to come back so that we can talk about some of these other aspects that you just raised in in your comments just here. Uh, For those, by the way, who don't understand the term skosh, that means (laughs) a bit above. A bit above. And Paula, uh, I just want to say in closing that you are really a bit above uh, many in terms of your ability to understand math and to communicate that in professional development situations. Uh, I really admire the work that you do here and was eager to have this opening conversation with you. I'm hoping that uh, those who are listening in on the podcast today will check the IDRA website and go online to see the things that we have around uh, math, math smart, uh, and the kinds of things that we're doing as an organization. But more importantly, uh, please uh, feel free to join us again. Look at our newsletters, etc., and join us again as we continue this important conversation around math competency, math literacy, math efficacy for the 21st century, and we can talk a little bit more about how it does all add up. Paula, I can't thank you enough for being here. Thank you, Rabbi. And have a great day, everyone. Thank you for listening to IDRA Class Notes. For more information on IDRA and other Class Notes topics, go to www.idra.org. You can also send us your thoughts by email to podcast at idra.org.